Hello there, this is uh, Dr. Alan Hedberg, and this is the Psychology Report. Today I'd like to uh, take in a little trip with me into history. Over the past oh, five or six years, I have become a student of Jonathan Edwards, studied his life, and have become quite enamored uh, with him as a historical figure. And in fact, I was advised at one time to find a historical figure and appreciate him, read about him, study him, and become kind of an expert about his life. Well, I follow that path. John Edwards was born in 1703 and um, died in 1758. His birthday was on October 5, so this is the week of his birthday. So today I'd like to do a little celebration on his life and uh, to uh, highlight his life for you a little bit and to focus on his life as a parent. John Edwards uh, had 11 children, he and Sarah, and uh, ran a very effective and efficient home. Uh, historically, Jonathan uh, is really regarded highly among his colleagues. Let me give you a little bit of a um, taste of just what other people have said about him so you can get a little bit in perspective. The Hollister History of Connecticut said this about Jonathan, the most gifted man of the 18th century perhaps the most profound thinker of the world. The past president of Princeton University, President McCosh, said this about him, the greatest thinker that America has produced. And the Westminster Review said this about Jonathan Edwards, from the day of Plato, there has never been a life more simple and more imposing and with grandeur than that of Jonathan Edwards. People admired him. People appreciated him. People came to know his uh, greatness. Uh, wrote enormously so. Many, many, many books and articles and papers. Uh, libraries still contain his work that have not yet been rewritten for the general public. Um, Jonathan served as a pastor to several churches after he graduated from Yale and uh, spent most of his time up in Northampton, uh, Connecticut, uh, in the church that his grandfather pastored for a number of years, and then he pastored for over 25 years. When he left that church, unfortunately, he was discharged from the church by the congregation. He then went out to the uh, west side of Connecticut, to the Indian population, where the Mohawks and the Mahagians were uh, living, and served as a missionary. Uh, to the Indians, Native Indians at that time in his life. And from there, he went down to Princeton and became the president of Princeton, but after about a month, took the smallpox vaccine, which had just come out, and died from the side effects of that uh, vaccine. So it was a tragic death. It was an early death. But when you look at his life, what he did live, it was an enormously effective life. A study was done in the early 1900s to trace his descendants. The legacy that he left, 1,400 descendants were identified, all of whom were Christian people, served the church, missionaries, pastors, served the legal community as lawyers, as judges, served the educational community as educators, as teachers, as presidents of universities, uh, served the medical community, community, in all phases of life, 
the descendants of John Edwards had their thumbprint. 1,400 of them. Why would that be the case? How could one family, a Sarah and Jonathan, raise 11 children and the descendants of 1,400 carry on the theme and the message that he lived and preached over all of his years? That's an enormous undertaking, and it's what intrigued me when I became a student of Jonathan Edwards, and perhaps one of the reasons I became a student of Jonathan Edwards. Now, I wrote about him, and the book is available on my website. Uh, Doctor Teach Me to Parent is one of my books, but this book is called Jonathan Edwards, A Life Well Lived, and uh, published it a year ago, and um, maybe you can purchase it from my website, which is booksbyhedberg.com, booksbyhedberg.com. Just look up there, and you'll see the book, Jonathan Edwards, A Life Well Lived. Now, if you'd like a discount, you have to call my office. My office is 559-244-3260. And this month, because of Jonathan Edwards' birthday, I'll send the book out to you for 10 bucks plus shipping. So um, go ahead and take care of that and see if you'd like to uh, become part of uh, the history and read about his life. Now, looking at his life as a parent, as I did a lot of reading on him, I came upon, oh, about 16 different points about him as a parent and Sarah as a parent and how they raise their children, the strategies they use for parenting. Now, I'm not going to give you all 16 of those. I'm going to give you a good sampling of the uh, way that he approached uh, the issue of parenting in his home and how he and Sarah raised their 11 children. Number one, first of all, he and Sarah prayed for his 11 children daily. It wasn't a day gone by that he did not pray you know, for his children. He put their lives in the hands of God through prayer. Secondly, Edwards devoted one hour every night after his studies to spend time with his children. Now you think one hour is not very much time when you have 11 children. But they had this undivided time and was able to focus on the life of those children for at least one hour. Interestingly, he also gave his wife, Sarah, one hour every night, too. They would sit and talk. They'd ride their horse, perhaps take a walk, walk into the woods. So he and Sarah had their one hour of time, as well as he and his children having one hour of time as well. Number three, Edwards was known to take many trips. He would travel in the area on horseback, go up, perhaps go over to Boston, go down into another church and preach for a weekend. And when he went for several days, he would take one of his children with him. They kind of, he rotated them. In other words, the children got a kind of a special time with him. And uh, a bond was built between he and his children. And a close bond was built because of these kind of little trips that he would take and take a child you know, with him. I recommend that kind of thing to any parent. If you're going to be gone for it, take a child or just do it purposely, intentionally. Children like that. They like to be treated as special. When he was gone for a period of time, he would write the other children a note, a letter, and send it back by horseback by with somebody else. Uh, so the letter would get there before he got there, before he would return home. So the children had an opportunity to go with him, but when he was gone, the children got a letter from him a love letter 
you know, from their dad. How many fathers do that today, by the way? I, I recommend it. Going on. Jonathan encouraged Sarah. Sarah was the mother, his wife. Jonathan encouraged Sarah to um, deal with issues of obstinateness and uh, disrespect and disobedience very quickly. In other words, she was to discipline the children firmly but very quickly and not let it get out of hand and not let it go on for one time, two times, three times, and four times, which parents today often do. In other words, if the parents, if the kids were rebellious and showed a sign of rebelliousness, they were disciplined immediately. Also, Jonathan encouraged Sarah uh, to cultivate in the home uh, a sense of the culture, a sense of spirituality, a sense of kindness and goodness to each other as well as to neighbors and to friends and to visitors. Their home was open to visitors. They often had visitors in. People would often come and stay overnight and stay for a couple days. Jonathan, being a pastor, often had young pastors come by and study with him for a couple days or a couple weeks. And the children had opportunity thereby to know other people, to learn from other people, to appreciate other people, to serve other people, and to give a little bit of their own for the benefit of other people. In other words, he really taught them not to be so selfish and to uh, share what they had with other people. And that was a day and age which, you know, most people didn't have much money and much goods, and certainly pastors didn't have very much. So when they shared with other people, that was already a sacrifice, you know, to do so, not only on the part of Jonathan and Sarah, but also the children, you know, as well. Going on, Jonathan and Sarah also assigned chores to the children. They had duties every single day to fulfill. And uh, they were complimented and they were thanked, you know, for fulfilling those particular chores. But that was part of home life. That was part of contributing to the home. That was part of contributing to the life of the home. It was just expected. It was just part of life that everybody had a chore. Everybody did their part. Everybody did their fair share. And uh, that started very early in life when the children were three and four years of age. They started to pick up their chores and do them and uh, fulfill them and, and contribute, you know, to the home. Also, Sarah and uh, Jonathan were very complimentary of their parents or the children's grandparents. They included the grandparents into their home and into their family life. Grandparents played an important role in the life of children, a healthy role, a positive role. And Jonathan and Sarah included the grandparents into the life of their family so that the children had a model of what it was like to be spiritual and older, what it was like to be a family, what it was like to be a contributing member of a family, no matter how old or how young you know, a person might be. Community life was important. and Community life began in the home and with the extended family members, such as grandparents. Also, Jonathan and, and uh, Sarah lived before the children, kind of a life of biblical appreciation. Uh, it was very common for him, the night before he preached a sermon, to call the family into the living room and preach that sermon to the children and to his wife. Maybe he adapted it a little bit to their understanding and to their age, but he practiced his sermon, and that was like a family time, you know, together. It was a time for the family to bond. 
It wasn't just that they were to sit there, but they were to discuss and to interact with each other and to appreciate what he was saying, understand what he was saying. And it was a family bonding, you know, time together. Just like he had playtime with the children one hour every single night. He also had these times of instruction, of prayer every day. In fact, he'd call the children, he'd call the family together just for prayer time during the course of the day, every day. So Jonathan really made family life an important part of his life. He contributed to it. He focused on it. He made it intentional, and he won the game. The children followed his path, followed his footsteps, and went on to live a life very highly successful in the same way that he did. You know, children are a gift to us. Children are important to us. Marriage is a gift. Our spouse is a gift to us. We are to honor that. We are to live in an honorable way to appreciate and to uh, enhance and to make better our children as well as our spouse. And that's exactly how Jonathan lived. So you see, he was a bright man. He was a very capable man. He was a very productive man. He was a very busy man. He was a man sought out by other pastors and by other community leaders. His opinions were sought out and were appreciated and valued. He had integrity, he had truthfulness, and he had a commitment to his family in the same way that he had a commitment to his community and a commitment to his church that he served so well and so long. He worked hard, but the children were still part of his life no matter how old they were and no matter how busy he was and no matter how many different things he had going in his life. The children played a central role. And uh, as parents today, this is a lesson for us. The question is, do your children play a central life, a, a central role in your life? Do you set aside time for your children? Do you set aside time for your family? Do you pray together? Do you sing together? Do you play together? You know, do you take trips together? Do you read letters together? Do you write letters to your children? When you're gone, do you call and do you interact with them? Do you use email? Do you use social media effectively to connect with your children in the course of the day, course of the weekend, when you're home, when you're gone? Children love to be connected and need to be connected. And you as a parent are the one to connect your children and in a healthy way, in a positive way, yet giving them opportunity for their own independence, their own growth. And to give them opportunity to develop skills and abilities, that's why you give children chores. That teaches skills, that teaches abilities, that teaches a sense of responsibility. It teaches a whole sense of money management, if you will, and the time management and opportunity management and uh, how to deal with stress and how to manage stress effectively. So, Jonathan Edwards, we appreciate you. Uh, born on October the 5th, 1703. Lived until 1758. Was a very regarded and respected uh, pastor and leader of his community, was a philosopher, wrote philosophy, was an environmentalist, wrote a paper on the spider and uh, nature, and uh, even today this is regarded well within the scientific uh, community. So he was a man of extraordinary means and extraordinary abilities and skills and shared them with others. And one of the things he did with his children, which is a very important thing to note, is that he taught them how to appreciate the Native American Indian, the American Native Indian. You see, the Indians lived in that area of the world, Massachusetts, Connecticut, 
And uh, they would be like black people to the white people, or they would be like uh, Asians to the white people, or uh, Latin Americans to the white people, or whomever, you see. But he taught the children to interact with them, to play with them, to talk with them, study with them, go to school with them, and be a friend, so that there was a bonding together of cultures and ethnic backgrounds. And when he then, later in his life, served the Indians as a missionary, the children were acquainted, they were well known to the Indian population, and were able to speak that language, even, to a certain degree. So you see, even in the cultural aspect, he was sensitive to make sure his children identified with those in the community, those in the area, that were of a different color, or of a different ethnic background, or of a different different cultural background. And that's what parents do. They open their door. They bring into their home. They bring into the life of the family those who are different in whatever way that might be and begin to appreciate each other and begin to appreciate differences and learn how to live together even though people may be different in a number of ways. This has been the Psychology uh, Report. I appreciate talking today. This is Dr. Alan Hedberg. I refer you again to my website, booksbyhedberg.com. And uh, today I'm featuring... Uh, Jonathan Edwards, the book that I wrote on his life is called Jonathan Edwards, A Life Well Lived. You can get the book on my website or if you would like, uh, opportunity during the month of October uh, because of his birthday. You can just call my office and you can pick up the book for 10 bucks plus shipping. And uh, just call my office at 559-244-3260. Leave a message and we'll take care of that for you. But anyway, thanks for listening today, and uh, get a hold of a book on Jonathan Edwards. If you don't get my book, get some other book, but keep him in mind. Look him up on the, uh, Google him, if you will, but uh, get an appreciation for who Jonathan Edwards is and was, and uh, how he might even contribute uh, to your life, even today. So, nice to be with you, and bye for now.